all stand together as we sing this wonderful hymn of our faith a mighty fortress is our god let's proclaim this truth today Oh, 
to see you. Even though I can only see part of you, did anybody tell you you have great eyes? (laughs) We're so glad for this day when we can gather together and we can begin that process. It's been such a different process and so we're just so grateful that you are here today to help us to begin um, that process in the life of our church. I thought I would update you a little bit about kids ministry because we are doing kids ministry, um, 10 kids at a time. So it's been really, really fun. Last Wednesday we had um, just water play and it was wet and wild and I was soaked out here as we did water balloons and water blasters. The kids brought towels and blankets. They sat six feet apart and they had snack, we played uh, beach blanket bingo, we did all of that kind of thing. I have a group of CITs, counselors in training this summer. They are rising sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, the most amazing group ever. And so I meet with them on Wednesdays, um, and they help, They, they sign up to volunteer every two to four hours. And then on Thursdays, they come together 
We have a two-hour period of time doing a Bible study, learning the VBS music, um, having snacks, and then setting up for the following Wednesday. And so I just wanted to kind of inform you a little bit about what's going on. So the kids this week will be cooking. Lisa Portwood is doing our cooking. And the theme is when life hands you lemons. So we're going to tie it all together. Again, we're so glad that you're here. It just feels good, doesn't it? Um, I don't know about you. I live by myself. So seeing people is a positive for me. And so I'm so grateful to see you today. Let's continue and let's um, have a word of prayer. Would you bow with me? God, how grateful we are. We have grateful hearts for so many things. But today we're grateful to be in this place. Thank you for the way that you're working in and through us. Today, may we, um, especially God, we might lift your name on high that we might truly praise you, Lord, for everything that you do and who you are, God, in our lives. There's so many questions around us and things swirling about us. Help us to focus. Help us to turn our eyes and our attention to you, for you're the one. You're the author and finisher of our faith, God. And how grateful we are, Lord that you continue to work in our lives. As we begin a series about wanderings, Lord, that is truly our, we are people that wander. May we be reminded once again that you want nothing more than for us to draw close to you and to hang tight and cling because you have the best plan possible for us. Thanks again for this beautiful day and the opportunity to be here. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. this time of desperation and all we know is doubt and fear there is only one foundation we believe we believe in this broken
Spirit And He's given us new life We believe in the crucifixion We believe that He conquered death We believe in the resurrection And He's coming back He's coming back again Church, we believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe. And he's coming back again, we believe. Do you believe that, church? Amen. Amen. I was very pleased when Chad asked me to read the scripture today. I think it's very pertinent to what's going on in our country right now. Matthew 7, 1 through 5 and 12, do not judge others and you will not be judged for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye. Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friends. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and in the prophets. Jesus, friend of sinners, we have strayed so far away. We cut down people in your name, but the sword was never ours to swing. Jesus, friend of sinners, the truth becomes too hard to see. The world is on their way to you, but they're tripping over me. Always looking around but never looking up I'm so double-minded I play God saint with dirty hands And a heart divided Oh Jesus, friend of sinners Open our eyes to the world At the end of our pointing fingers Let our hearts be Help us reach with open hearts and open doors. Oh, Jesus, friend of sinners, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
over the lines and love like you did and love like you still love and all of God's people said Amen It's been so long let me check Phil am I good? There we are, I'm on Isn't our worship team didn't they do a great job? You appreciate them. Now, they've been having church every week since we've been gone, right? And they've been leading us. Haven't it been great? Haven't they done a great job leading us uh, online and everything? It's been wonderful. And as, as, you, as you see by today, we have the majority of our congregation continues worshiping online. And, and that's a good thing. We, we talked last Sunday night. We had a beautiful evening Sunday night before summer came, right? Uh, but we talked about uh, that we don't want to put a stumbling block in front of each other, and there's going to be some that, that continue to, to need to stay home and want to stay home and worship online. There will be others that want to come and, and worship and be together and, uh, in, with each other, and, and we can't judge each other, can we? Because each one of us are different. We'll just praise the Lord and glorify God that we can worship and that we can still maintain a sense of unity in our worship together, even as some worship online, some here. 
Uh, the music will be drawing from some of the music that we've done online. I'm going to continue to pre-record my message each week um, so that the message will be fresh. The music will be uh, geared towards the service, and so uh, the online worship will continue to, to just match and to, to be a part of this. But it's so good to see you. I wanted to be up here. My, I need to go see my eye doctor, so I don't know how, how well I'll see you from back there. So I just wanted to see everyone with their masks on. And, uh, and if you need to lower it during this part of the service, then feel free to do that. And appreciate your cooperation and making things happen. Folks from the balcony, you can see me okay from where you're at? Well, very good. Well, let me get back up here and get my notes out. I've been uh, asked where my table is, and uh, we'll, try, we'll try standing up today and see how we do standing up, and uh, we may have to go back to the table uh, at some point. What a, what a crazy time in our nation. It, today's June the 7th. Anybody off the top of their head know when the last time we gathered in this place for worship was? March 8th. Three months. COVID-19 has... has shaped and formed and, and transformed life in our nation over these last months. And we're, we're all hoping and praying that it's just temporary. Uh, we can get through this season. I think the reality is, is that there's probably some things that are changing that we don't fully understand um, that, that will be implemented and just maybe not go back or things will be transformed. I don't, I don't know. Um, but we're still in the midst of that. And then with all that's going on in our nation now, as the issue of racism has, has bubbled back up, and I want to focus my thoughts and, and our attention today as we, we talk about what does it mean to be a wandering people, looking at Scripture and, and the, the history of a wandering people from God's Word, and how that may even apply and maybe offer some insight to us today in, in our nation, in our culture, um, look around the room. You know, we're, 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 we're pretty white. I suspect we don't have a, a, a full understanding of, of the culture around us, and maybe Scripture can help us with that. We'll just start with a couple of weeks ago. Just a couple of weeks now, George Floyd, 46-year-old black man, was accused of buying cigarettes with a counterfeit $20 bill from a deli employee. Reports are that he was, he was um, on drugs, but still the Minneapolis police were called out and responded. And in the ensuing arrest, Floyd was handcuffed and at one point was taken to the ground where a police officer pinned him with his knee across the back of his neck. Floyd gasped for help as the video went on, saying, I can't breathe. Video tells us he was pinned for eight minutes and 46 seconds, and that he, the knee of the officer continued to remain in place in the back of his neck for over a minute and a half after he'd already lost consciousness. Floyd's death has been the source of social upheaval over these days. Four police officers have been arrested. We've seen, certainly, we've seen peaceful protests and marches calling for systemic and institutional changes in our culture, society, our criminal system. And we've also seen violent demonstrations. We've seen looting. We've seen vandalism as an expression of the rage, the despair, the violence that stirs within some. The deadly fruit of racism, again, has raised its head in our nation. And each time it does, we taste its devastating impact. And we ask how, why, as we deal with our anger and our disbelief of what we see on the television screens. Certainly, we all cry for justice. We're all disturbed by the evil perpetrated by others. I think we work to help implement structures and, and systems to try to eliminate racism. We create diversity and inclusion training seminars and courses to, to help us to better understand, yet still, racism lurks beneath. In April, new Mississippi State football coach Mike Leach posted a meme on his Twitter account that included a hangman's noose. 
just a few days ago in an email chain about PPE. A Norman police officer used a meme that pictured men dressed in Klan masks and carrying torches. Both of these men responded apologetically that they didn't intend to offend anybody. Just the other day, I was in a Norman business, and the comment was made, you know, we just used to laugh at all these things, these jokes. People shouldn't take these things so seriously. I think these are examples that reveal the depths of racism that exists within the hearts and the minds of our nation. When we are blinded to our own racist thoughts, jokes, prejudices, and actions, we continue to perpetuate the problem of racism in our families, our communities, and our nation. So as we begin our summer worship series, A Wandering People, A Wandering People, let's focus on this issue of, of racism. We begin in the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve had it made in the Garden of Eden, but their, their sin caused them to be expelled, to be kicked out of the garden by the Lord. I, I can imagine that as they were kicked out of the garden, they wandered looking for a place to call their home. Generations later, we catch up with Noah. Noah, who'd been asked to, to build an ark to be able to survive God's punishment and condemnation on the sin of the people of that time. And there, as Noah and his family gathered in the ark, they must have felt like they were wandering on top of the water. And then as the water receded, the scripture tells us that they wandered, they journeyed eastward. And we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 11. Now the whole earth, the whole earth used the same language and the same words. Well, I thought language and words were the same thing. Well, it's not the same thing. I think it's referring to the language and words were the same. Everyone spoke the same language. The culture was the same. There was, there was a, a culture that was unified. Uh, people were able to comprehend, to understand, to talk to each other, to understand one another in the life and the world in which they lived. And it came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of, of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone, and they used tar for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the earth. From the beginning, we were told as, as human beings to do what? to multiply and fill the earth. It's part of our, our command. It's part of our task as humans. It's part of Adam and Eve's task to, to do that as, as their families, as their, as their people would grow, to fill the earth. And so that's part of our calling as a people of, of God. Is, is there some wandering that's involved in that? But there's also, as we talked about, the wandering that comes. The wandering that comes when we sin, we rebel, we lose our way. And that seems to be what is happening here. They didn't want to, to wander. They didn't want to be scattered. They didn't want to fulfill God's command. And here's what they wanted to do. And the Lord came down to the city. Isn't it interesting? They were trying to, to build a tower up to God, but God had to come down to them, right? They came down to the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people. And they all have the same language. And if this is what they begin to do, and now nothing which they would purpose to do will be impossible for them, so come. Let us go down and there confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad and there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel. In the Babylonian language, the word Babel means a gate 
into God, a gate into the heavens. You see, the intent of the people was to, to we, we don't need God. We can become our God. We can, we can earn our way. We can build our way into heaven so that we can live among and be with the gods. We don't need God. We can determine our own way. The word Babel in Babylonian means the gate, the entrance into heaven, into the presence of God, into God, being our own God. The word Babel in Hebrew means confusion. <laughs> so isn't it interesting? A people who tried to build their own way to God, to build their own gate to God, instead of finding their way to God, only found confusion. Therefore, its name is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth and from there the Lord scattered them abroad from the face of the whole earth. I think this story is trying to answer the question in these first 12 chapters of Genesis. It's the biblical account of why do we have so many numerous peoples and languages and cultures? Why don't we... Why can't we understand each other? Why, why can't we get along with each other? It, it, this is at the heart of trying to explain that. The people scattered over the earth, and they did not understand each other. And over the course of generations, as a consequence of their sin, of, of their wanting to become their own gods, people developed their own cultures, their own language, their own words. They built their own cities. They continued to build their own towers. This led to prideful ethnocentrism, thinking that our ways and our people are better than others. We became fearful and jealous of those that we did not know, we did not look like. We wanted to control and lord over them. We wanted to use them for our own purposes and our own benefits. We demeaned and made fun of those that we did not understand so that we could build ourselves up. Racism, prejudice, and their cousins took root in the heart of people and of culture, for we no longer spoke the same language. We no longer used the same words. We no longer understood each other. And so today, we see the impact of Babel on our world and on our nation, for we are all children of Babel. The church, this is not God's plan. This was not his intent in fact, when we go to the New Testament, we see a whole different story. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. It's the story of Pentecost. And I believe Pentecost is the, is the activity, it's the act of this Holy Spirit of God that reverses Babel, that, that allows us to begin to understand each other. So let's, let's read, starting in Acts chapter 2. And we'll just read a, a few of these verses through verse, verse 12. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Remember that the disciples had, had continued to gather in Jerusalem, about 120, and they were gathered together. There was a unity there, and they were waiting. They were waiting on the Spirit of God. And suddenly there came from heaven a, a noise like a violent rushing wind. The Spirit of God came on them. Verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Verse 6, and when the sound occurred, the crowd came together. Remember, there were people from all over the world had, had come into Jerusalem from their different languages and cultures. And when the sound occurred, the crowd came together. They were bewildered because each one of them was hearing the disciples speak in their own language. And they were amazed and astonished. Verse 11, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? Again, I think Pentecost reverses Babel. And it's in the coming of the Holy Spirit that our language and our words come back together. The Spirit of God, we can once again begin to understand one another. We can find unity where once we were scattered. The people were astonished, amazed, and perplexed at what they were experiencing as they, they listened and they heard and understood. 
And they asked, what does this mean? Well, it means that salvation has come. And Peter, in those next verses, continues with the story, telling them how Jesus was the fulfillment of of the messianic prophecies, that Jesus was put to death by godless men, but that the Father, the power of God, honored that sacrifice and rose Jesus from the dead. And now it's that same Spirit, that Spirit of God, that pours out on us. And I love their question, their next question. They'd already asked the question, what does this mean? And now they ask the question, what shall we do? We'll continue to read in verses 37 through 40. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as our Lord, the Lord our God, will call to himself. And with many other words he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved. Be saved from this perverse generation. You see, here Peter offers the answer to the problem of sin, the answer to our separation that, and, our, and the misunderstanding that takes place between us and between God, and therefore between us and between one another. So what must we do? Well, first of all, we, we must repent. We must understand that our sin separates us from God and from each other. To repent from our sin means that we must forsake the words and the language of our own kingdom, of our own culture, and receive the new words and the new language of the kingdom of God. Jesus, in another place, calls this being born again. Paul says that this means that we become a new creation, a new creature, and that the old has passed away. The second thing we must do. Paul says is the word to be baptized. Well, certainly we're Baptist. <laughs> we understand and believe this text to be practiced in, in a reference to water baptism. But more importantly, this command to be baptized refers to the spiritual baptism and the forgiveness of God's spirit in our lives, where our guilt, our hurt, our brokenness, Our vengeful spirit are washed away, replaced by the grace, the mercy, and the love of God. Love becomes the characteristic of our life, as in love God with all that you are, as in love your neighbor as you love yourself, as in love your enemy. Our desire to lord over others is now replaced by a desire to love others and to serve them. In our attitude and in the attitude and example of Christ, we are to consider others as more important than ourselves. And finally, Peter declares that in Jesus Christ we are to be saved. And while our salvation is complete in Christ Jesus, it is not mature Thus, we must spend our lives doing the hard work of working out our salvation, I think is the language that Paul uses, of growing into the faith and of of the teachings of our Lord Jesus. After all, we are learning a new language. We're learning new words to live by. Words that are best expressed by the prophet Micah, who says that we're to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. You see, this is always the nature and the character of God's work. And don't we need, don't we as a people here in America, don't we need a new language? Don't we need new words? So as we look at racism in our country, I can't help but believe that we're all speaking a different language that we're unable to, and maybe even if we're honest with ourselves, that there are really times when we're unwilling to listen to each other. 
The divide and the inability to understand one another is no better seen in the statement, Black Lives Matter. I'm not talking about the, the political and all the other stuff that comes with it. I'm just talking about the statement, Black Lives Matter. When George Floyd attempted to cry out, I can't breathe, his words and his death symbolized, I believe, the meaning and intent of the Black Lives Matter slogan. If white America refuses to listen and understand and know the meaning behind these words and the life experience behind these words, then healing will never take place in our nation. So what shall we do? What shall we do as Americans? What shall we do as a nation, as a people? Well, first of all, I think we can follow the, the plan that, that Peter's laid out for us. First of all, we must understand that racism is a spiritual problem that requires a spiritual answer. We cannot build a tower tall enough to solve the answer. We cannot solve this problem on our own, for it lurks deep within us. We cannot reach heaven. Breath. Breath is the gift of God. And when a people cry out that they can no longer breathe, we must listen and we must understand that this is a spiritual matter, a matter of the heart for a nation. A civil war, a civil rights movement, affirmative action, hate crime legislation, desegregation, diversity and inclusive training, marches, protests, riots, looting and violence, cannot change the hearts of men and women. Yes, they can help focus our attention. They can help us to, to see the fruit. They can, but they can only address or reveal the fruit of that which has taken root deep within us. The only lasting solution to racism is spiritual revival and renewal, giving our lives to Jesus and allowing him to breathe his spirit into us because we all need new hearts we all need new breath breathe in me holy spirit second of all we must repent repentance involves understanding confessing and turning away from old ways to new ways that promote and sustain justice fairness and kindness for all repentance requires humility we must identify and change not just our hearts our minds and our attitudes but we must understand that we must change some systems and structures in our culture that perpetuate and reinforce racism with our new breath we must listen and use our language and words to understand each other especially those whose life experience is different than ours I think a good beginning point for our words, for our language, is this. We are all created in the image of God. So we must learn to talk with each other. We must learn to understand and to know one another's fears and struggles and work together to bring about change and healthy solutions. Third, we need a baptism. We need cleansing. As a people, we need cleansing from the violence, the injustice, the apathy of our lives. Justice and fairness must replace vengeance and oppression. Repentance and restitution must be met with forgiveness and grace. We must learn to respect and to be a blessing to one another, serving each other, not lording any authority or power over one another, or fighting to be able to do that. You see, a diverse people may not always agree with each other. Just ask my family. There's six of us. <laughs> we don't agree on a lot of things at times. But we need to learn how to understand each other and base our actions out of love for one another. When this happens, the racist means, jokes, comments, actions, that offend one another, I believe will begin to disappear from our language, from our words, and from our lives. 
And if we will do these things, if we as the people of God would take a lead in these things, I believe that our nation would experience, excuse me, that our nation will experience salvation from the old perverse ways of life and discover a new way of life that brings us together as a people. But let us remember, we cannot reach the heavens on our own, but thanks be to God, He has come to us.